0: I am not the most consistent person.
1: <gasps> <laughs> well, hello everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 91. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. We're in week 52 of the End of the Book Bible Reading program. It's like that scene at the
0: end of Return of the Jedi where the whole galaxy is celebrating as the Death Star is destroyed. Oh, we made man. it.
1: We're just dancing over here as Force Ghosts in Revelation 18 through 22 this week. I think I'm an Ewok. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, that's super nerdy. <laughs> Speaking of which, every time that I've binge watched something, including Star Wars, by the way, yeah, I've gotten to this point when I'm watching like a TV show or some big important movie franchise. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but do you ever get like super sad at the end of a really long story or a long
0: Definitely. series yeah. of
1: episodes you've been watching? Sherilyn actually notes that there are times where I will refuse to watch the last couple of episodes. of a series because I get like super melancholy. I have to be honest, as I was coming into the end of this week's readings here in Revelation 18 through 22, I kind of got a little bit sad as I was thinking about the year that we've spent all the time that we've been just focusing on the New Testament and all the work that we've done. And just reading through the last few chapters here, I was obviously impressed by God's word, but at the same time, I was kind of sad that this was all Coming to an end. And it's been quite a journey this whole year, I think, aside from everything else that's going on. (laughs) A few things happened this year. A few things happened, just a couple. But as we're wrapping up our reading plan here this week, I think it'd be helpful for us to kind of do a, a few flashbacks on the previous year and just look at some positive things that we've either experienced or that maybe we've accomplished over this past year. Something that 2020 in a positive way has brought to us either through our habits or through some of the things that we've been doing. So we'll look at some of our favorite things a little bit later in the episode, taking a spin on 2020 in a positive direction, which doesn't happen very often these days. (laughs) It's a good time for some gratitude, for sure. It is, absolutely. But before we do, let's find Jesus. And as we wrap up this end of the book series, let's find Jesus here in week 52, Revelation 18 through 22. Where is Jesus here in the last five chapters of the New Testament. So
0: I have two quick thoughts on this. I'm, I'm taking two verses here. Okay. The first is in Revelation 22, verse 16. And our family has been going through the names of Christ with our kids every night. We have them pick a different name out of this bucket and we talk about it. And I've been stuck lately on the thought of Jesus as the morning star. And that appears here in our, it appears fittingly in our reading in verse 16. He says, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He is the brightest star. He's the one you see even at dawn. His glory, his light is beyond compare. The Bethlehem star had nothing on the little person down in the feeding trough that was really shining with his glory from eternity and had come to save us all, and has now accomplished everything except for the ending, which we'll be talking about a little bit today. (laughs) But the second thought is, as we finish reading through the New Testament, I think it's fitting to pause for a minute on the last words of the Bible, which are a blessing calling on the grace of Jesus our Lord to bless everyone. And so Revelation 22 and verse 21 says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, amen. Amen. Grant Osborne notes in his commentary, and I think he's right, that that unusual wording, the fact that it doesn't say Jesus' grace be with you all or be with all the saints, but it says Jesus' grace be with all might go with the evangelistic aspects of this closing chapter. Remember, it just said, any who are thirsty come. Let anyone drink this water without cost. And the spirit says, come and the bride says, come Mm -hmm. and anyone who wants to can come. In other words, if you're reading this and you're not in Christ and you're ready to turn to Christ, come may his grace be with you as well. And I just think that's a great way to close the Bible because that's what the whole thing has been about. It's a common epistolary closing greeting, right? in the Bible to say the grace of the Lord be with you. But this is just so appropriate. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That's what the Bible has been about ultimately.
1: I love that. I think a lot of times, especially like you talked about, as we read Paul's letters or we read some other letters throughout the New Testament, that phrase kind of feels like a throwaway sometimes Mm. and it absolutely should not. Yeah. That is what we all need. So many times when I teach our Younger Kids class, I make a point as we begin a new letter to highlight, at least for a few minutes, either the opening words or the closing words that refer to His grace being with you all. Because that is absolutely what everybody needs. That's what I need. That's what you need. And anyone who's listening to us right now, that's what you need too. And to close out the entire New Testament with these words is absolutely fitting. I think there's probably no better words that John could have used to put a point on all of this.
0: So it sounds like I won the
1: finding Jesus segment (laughs) by choosing that. But what did you find? (laughs) Well, going back to your first point about the names of Jesus and talking about here from Revelation 22, the bright and morning star, I found a verse in Revelation 19. It's all about the names of Jesus. He's got so many names, and I can imagine why you fill up an entire bucket full of names to talk about with your kids. So Revelation 19 verse 11 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So there's a lot there, and it kind of throws back, I think, to Revelation chapter one, when John first sees this vision of Jesus in all of his majesty and glory. And we talked about that a few episodes ago, but here in the closing words, pretty much of this vision. And aside from all the imagery that we see here, we learn about a few of Jesus names, faithful and true, the word of God and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Plus there's a bonus name here which we don't even know, only Jesus himself knows, and that's pretty cool. But each of these, I think, shows us something unique about Jesus that one single name really doesn't convey on its own. I think it's helpful for us just to stop and remind ourselves to never pigeonhole Jesus into a single tableau. You know, we've spent so much of this entire year finding Jesus, 52 weeks all together, finding Jesus in all of these sections in the New Testament. But we haven't even scratched the surface. And that's why, to me, there's never anything boring about studying the Messiah. He's always relevant. He's always powerful. He's always connecting with us in deeper and deeper ways every time that we go and find him in our studies. Jesus is multifaceted. He is complex. And there are so many ways that we can think about him that help us connect with him in deep ways. And just these few names that we talk about here— faithful and true, the word of God and king of kings and Lord of lords. Each of these we can use in our daily life thinking about him.
0: I love that. I hope this doesn't cheapen what you're saying as an <laughs> illustration Here we go. so powerful. But this morning, Nadia, one of my little girls came up to me and she said, Santa has two names, <laughs> Santa and Santa Claus. <laughs> and, and I said, actually, a lot of people call him by a lot of different names. I talked about Father Christmas and Kris Kringle and St. Nicholas, St. Nick and yeah, all that stuff. And, you know, all these different cultures have different things about him and sure. We've been working with her to try to, we we tell our kids that Santa isn't real. And we've been working with her to help her to appreciate kind of the joy of that, to have fun with it. And, you know, the reason that he has so many names, I think, is because he means something as a figure, as an idea to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. But here we have Jesus with so many names throughout all the Bible, throughout certainly this book of Revelation, we've seen many names. And then I wonder if this statement, he has a name written that no one knows but himself, which we've seen in other references that similar kind of language. Sure. I wonder if that just brings up the point even more that you're making, which is you're not going to ever fully understand all that he is. Only he knows some of his identity some of who he is but we keep looking at all of these different
1: names and we keep learning more about who he is it's good so let's get into our second segment here which is scripture what's the soup du jour it's the soup of the day Mm, that sounds good i'll have that so we're in revelation 21 today the second to last chapter of the entire bible and what do you find here in this great city that brings you comfort or helps you in your day-to-day life?
0: I found that the end is a beginning. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a somewhat overplayed 90s song that talks about how every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: And I think there's something important to see here about beginnings in this story here, the story of the whole Bible. One of my favorite stories is this seven-book epic called The Dark Tower, and it begins something like, The man in black set out across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. And you read through all of these books, tons and tons of pages, and then you come to the end, and the last words are the same as the first, but there's this circularity to it. Here we find, similarly, there's an ending that looks a lot like the beginning of the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible's ending here is not a circle. It's a kind of symmetry with the beginning of the story. It's not here we go again, like we're going to have to go through this whole journey of a fall and redemption again. It's this Fitting and satisfying ending that we need because God created something right at the beginning and it it got torn down by human choice. But then He's been doing this work to create a new creation first in people, first in us through this long story of redemption, through Jesus coming, through His Spirit coming through the word teaching us love, teaching us something totally different and us choosing him and revealing really to all of the powers his wisdom and goodness and mercy. And so after the old creation passed away in verse one of chapter 21, a new heavens and new earth are created. And so this isn't a retread of Genesis one, but there's this beautiful back into the garden feel to it. Mm -hmm. And all that was right in the garden has now found its place in a redeemed people at home with their God. We've seen evil. We've chosen love through the gracious, now completed story of God's work. And I just think that's the perfect ending to history.
1: Yeah. Behold, I am making all things new. Like that's what we're going back to. Let's go back to those things that we saw all the way in the beginning. I love that because every time I go to Revelation 21 and 22 and I see, especially the tree of life that's there. I mean, come on. That was originally back in the garden. And now here we go at the very end and we see it in this new Jerusalem that has come down from heaven. It's almost like this is what I tried to do the first time. Like maybe God's saying, this is what I wanted to accomplish in the beginning. But man messed it up. So now let's try this again and let's do it the right way this time.
0: Yeah. And in a way, he could see forward into that whole story as well. Mm -hmm. And so even then, that was what you're saying is true, but it was also sort of stage one in this process of getting to a consummation of true new creation and the end of history.
1: Well, I'm thinking about the end here, maybe from a different perspective. And in my verse here in scripture du jour in Revelation 21, is that there's kind of a finality at the end. Not kind of, there is actually Mm -hmm. a definitive finality at the end. And so Mm -hmm. here in verse six of Revelation 21, it says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha (laughs) and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God And he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So I don't fly much anymore. I don't think many people fly much anymore these days. But when I do fly, or when I was flying, I try my hardest to get a nonstop flight. And as early as possible, wherever I'm going, like, I don't want to lay over. I don't want to have to wait somewhere else because I am usually a giant ball of stress in thinking about having to make a connecting flight, like running across an entire airport, trying to get to that connecting flight to get to my destination is not something I'm looking forward to. And just that thought of like having to stand at your gate as the doors are closed in front of you and just watching your airplane fly away. Without you. That's just, I don't want to go through that. I never want to go through that. And it kind of brings to my mind that scene here in these verses. Like, while I could probably catch another flight or a later flight, like it's not the end of the world if I miss a connecting flight somewhere, but I'm never going to be able to catch a second chance here in this kind of scene. It is done. And Mm. at the end of all things, I'm either going to be a conqueror having this heritage that he talks about or I'm going to be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And I can't help but think about the parable of the 10 virgins at the wedding in Matthew 25. The question of, like, will I have been ready? Will I have been prepared and ready when that final moment comes? Or am I going to find the door shut in my face while everyone is inside enjoying themselves and I'm standing there out in the cold? Showing up at the airport, running to the gate
0: and seeing your flight take off and then thinking of standing there and missing, missing out on the new heavens and new earth, missing out on being with the Lord. That's a really sad thought. Yeah. That's just a different way of saying, like you say, the parable of the ten virgins, speaking of of all the times that Jesus talks about those who say to him, Lord, Lord, in Matthew 7, in Matthew 25, with the goats and the sheep. I mean, that idea of not being welcomed in but rather sent away, missing the final flight home, so to speak. That <laughs> yeah. is really a powerful thought. And so the answer is, as a song says, Jesus is your ticket to heaven. You know, <laughs> <laughs> The answer is to hold on to the Lord. And it's not that complicated. It's not like you have to design the airplane yourself you know <laughs> all you have to do is really show up, show up and and hang with him yep showing up there it is yeah there's one of the themes of 2020 and of spiritual life in general is just consistently showing up
1: yeah i know a lot of times revelation people will go to it as this like fire and brimstone kind of vision where it should bring us that kind of sobriety and wake us up i think too This being written to the seven churches, some of them did need to absolutely wake up, but some Mm -hmm. of them needed just that confidence to know that they have a home prepared and Mm -hmm. the Lord is waiting to welcome them into their heritage and to give them for all eternity the waters of life. And that's just got to be super encouraging if you're struggling as a first century Christian when John is writing these things to you.
0: One of the Phrases, one of the words that stuck out to me as we went through the book of Revelation is I think the central behavioral concern of the book, if you were to put it into a word, Mm -hmm. is endurance. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ideas he wants to get across, but the goal, kind of like the book of Hebrews and a lot of the rest of the Bible, is just to keep going, stick with it. And like you say, that doesn't just mean keep believing. In some ideas or keep showing up in attendance at at a church assembly. It means you have to consistently look at yourself, search yourself, repent of sins, hold on to actually faithfully keeping the commandments of the Lord, but stick with it. And at the end, it will be worth it. It will warrant you that flight to that <laughs> glorious picture that we see at the end. Although it's kind of like never mind. <laughs>
1: Mr. Analogy was about to strike again. I
0: can see it. Oh, man. So in my my lesson on Sunday, I was trying to talk about the thread of the Bible and how Jesus is the thread that connects it all. Mm -hmm. And I compared how we sometimes read the Bible and miss things, the main points, and kind of get wrapped up in Leviticus and all the different stories and ideas that are going on to this chart of how an ADHD person tells a story. <laughs> and I explained how my brain works. And wait, there's backstory to this backstory. Let me let me back way up. And But really, it's a fairly simple, poignant, powerful story once we get what the heart of the gospel is. And here is the fitting end. Us at home, redeemed by Christ, and in his presence forever.
1: Yeah. And I think spending the last year, even just reading through the New Testament, as quickly as we have been, I think we've seen that. Just the simplicity of what God is trying to convey to us and how important all these things are. And so... Maybe as we start to look back on what we've been doing here in our readings and all the things that 2020 has brought us, let's kind of do some flashbacks, I guess, in our final segment here, which is favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. So we're looking back to 2020. What are some favorite things that have, I guess, helped you endure this last year or help bring you to a much better place at the end of the year than where you started.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call this first one consistent, simple habits. (laughs) I am not the most consistent person. (gasps) (laughs) Goes back to some of the things we just talked about. I like new things. I Uh like changing it up. It has a positive effect on my momentum in a lot of ways when I just get something new in and it gives me a boost. And then at some point something new will replace it and that will get me going. But this year we had our reading plan, which is all about consistency, reading a chapter a day of the New Testament, three chapters a day of the Old Testament. I also committed to singing through the Psalms using the metric Psalter that I've brought up before. Yeah, We'll put a link in the show notes to that. And so singing through the Psalms really affected the way I read that book. It affected my thinking about The way that I should think about goodness and evil and the Lord and a lot of things. I especially made sure that every Sunday morning I got up really early and I spent time with that Psalter, singing through several of the Psalms each Sunday morning and just taking some extra devotional time. I did twice a week devotionals with our congregation on a Facebook group where I did a recording and then. I prayed through our directory with everybody, and that consistency kept us connected throughout the week. In fact, social media has been a blessing, just consistently connecting to that group, which is... Not something most of my life I would ever say, and I still have to be super cautious with it. But but that was big. I mean, I could just go on. I stuck with my daily alarms for prayer throughout the day Mm -hmm. all year. So there wasn't much new or exciting. But in a year of change same, same isn't all bad. <laughs>
1: no, absolutely. You know, there's
0: just all of these things that became this stabilizing influence. We did these family devotionals, weren't consistent all the way through the year, but we've come back to them over and over again. We're doing them again now each night, and that has affected our family relationship and the conversation we have with our kids. Even with work, with the church that I work with, we've taken kind of a nothing fancy, just connecting and serving approach where it's not a bunch of new projects. It's not what is something interesting we can do this year. It was really just simple conversations, some hosting of small, very small groups, but a lot of just connecting in other ways, trying to serve people. And that has really deepened our work. So simplicity, consistency, one of my favorite things of 2020.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this entire reading plan, just kind of camping on that since I've also been doing that along with you, I think that's been super helpful for me. And I know for my wife, we've both been going through this this year together. Even just sitting down and having to write something about what I've been reading in these daily downloads that we've been doing, just to throw this out there for people, here at the end of the year, we're actually going to have a downloadable PDF of all of the articles that we've written for this year's New Testament study. and so. Here in maybe a week or so, you can go check that out on our website. But just these little day to day consistency kinds of things, like you're talking about, these habits is just super stabilizing to be able to, I guess, weather the storm of whatever chaos and everything else that's going on around us. I agree. I think it's great.
0: Yeah. So, in addition to the readings that you did this year, what else have you found helpful this year?
1: I guess we've talked about this on previous episodes. I think it's funny that. This year has been sort of a a giant push to get people out online and communicating in new ways with technology. There's been a lot of new podcasts that have started. I have been spending a lot more time with spiritual audio. And one of the podcasts that has recently launched that I've really started to enjoy is a podcast by a friend of the show, Jeff, and his good brother, Emerson, they do this show called Working With The Word. It started back in September and it's a fortnightly, I guess they've kind of switched over to an every other week discussion on Bible study habits, on sound teaching. And they've recently got into daily Bible reading tips and things that they've Mm. been focusing on recently. I love this show, this podcast. And if you haven't checked it out, I would definitely recommend doing that. Aside from that, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. One of them is called Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestone. It's by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. I don't agree with 100% of the things that they say in this book, but it's been really helpful for me in just kind of reframing the way I think about teaching my family, leading my family, and they have tons of practical tips and examples and all kinds of challenging questions in this book, and I've enjoyed that a lot lately, and I just recently discovered this. I don't know if you've realized this, but did you know that Audible recently changed up their entire subscription model back in August? What I noticed was that I got all these new free
0: spiritual classics (laughs) that were not using a credit. So I didn't really
1: pay attention to anything else. What happened? So what happened was back in August, they decided to change up. So if you were paying for an Audible subscription before, you basically just got grandfathered into this premium plus plan. But also you get access to like thousands of books for free, basically. And what I realized in researching this a little bit is that if you sign up for their Plus plan, which is only like eight bucks a month, you get access to all of their catalog without having those premium books that you can get. And so it's a cheaper option, but there's stuff in there from Crossway Publishers, from Christian Audio. There's all kinds of books in there that you can get access to for that pretty inexpensive monthly fee of eight bucks a month.
0: All of C.S. Lewis's catalog so is in there. So yeah. there's, there's tons of stuff, yeah.
1: So I've been using a lot of these audiobooks on my commute to and from work. I know not everybody has a commute. And I know, by the way, a lot of people are struggling to find time to listen to podcasts or audio. <laughs> but if you do yeah. have the time in these strange working from home days, there are tons of options out there for listening to good, solid Bible content
0: I'll throw out there one recommendation as I thought about it. I think maybe my favorite listen of the year was the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Oh,
1: yes. That that one has
0: stuck with me all year and really affected me. So I will throw that in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. There's just tons of stuff to listen to. And so in our modern technological age, just use the resources you have available to you. There's a lot of stuff out there that maybe you never thought about.
0: So I will go into my second favorite thing of this year as I thought about things that helped me grow spiritually was studying the book of Jeremiah, which I had never really studied before. I'd read through it several times, but then you do studies of Jeremiah 31 or certain passages in Jeremiah but I really hadn't done a deep dive into the book before. And this one study, let me just dive in. I taught a class for two sessions on it and then got to prepare. And then it's been sitting with me ever since. And I was changed, I was deepened, I was filled with hope and courage from this study. So there are a lot of really good commentaries on it, but I I wanna also recommend a couple of other books, a devotional type book and some more scholarly books of articles that are not so scholarly that it's really heavy. One is called Run With the Horses by Eugene Peterson. And that one is on Audible if you like to listen to things. But it was really encouraging. Again, it's more of a devotional type book built on a study of the book of Jeremiah. But it's not surface. It's really thoughtful and thought provoking. Highly recommend that. And then there's a book of articles by Walter Brueggemann, and the book of articles on Jeremiah is called, like, Fire in the Bones. Hmm. And that was challenging, and standard disclaimers apply on all of this. But there was some really thought-provoking stuff in there. And then also a book by Andrew Sheed called A Mouthful of Fire. And it's from this series of books on biblical theology that I've not read a bad one. This series, D.A. Carson is one of the editors and they are extraordinary books. And this one develops the book of Jeremiah as a sort of autobiography of the word of God, where God's word, not Jeremiah, is the star of the book in the main character. (laughs) And it's really, he really makes a compelling case and helps you to understand the book as developing a theology of the word of God. What is the word of God? How does it work? And really understanding God's word as Jeremiah speaks it and as it continues to last down through the ages and reach to us. So, but overall, I just, I learned perseverance. I really learned empathy. Jeremiah is this guy that just feels the pain of everyone around him. (laughs) He suffers with people even as he gets frustrated because they're not repenting. And I think he teaches us that it's okay to be sad as long as we don't lose faith, which was a big lesson from this year. I mean, I was just going through so many different almost stages of grief. You see those those things as Jeremiah and the people in their own way. But even Jeremiah himself goes through these different stages of mourning what God's people could be, what Jerusalem was and thinking forward to the hope of what God wants to create and really understanding that the work of God has will only come about through people getting his word so stuck in them (laughs) that no matter what happens, they have to speak it. It's as as Jeremiah says, it's like a fire in my bones and I have to say it. I don't even want to say it, but I have to say it. It is that thing in me that must be spoken. So really cool study, highly recommended. The book of Jeremiah is one of those things. I think it's easy to read through and say, I don't get it. It's the longest book in the Old Testament. It's the longest book in the whole Bible. And it can be a little intimidating. But if you really spend some time with it, I think you'll be enriched by the study.
1: It seems like an interesting choice in a year like 2020 to go read a lament sort of like Jeremiah. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess it's just practicing the it's better to go into the house of mourning than the house of feasting kind of idea. And I haven't gotten through Jeremiah like you have, but you make it seem like it's something I should dive into this year. So that's cool. I'm looking forward to that.
0: You definitely should. (laughs) You'll love it. Cool. (laughs) But you got to set aside some real time for it. Yeah. So what else? What's your final uh, thought on favorite things of
1: 2020? I think this year has been absolutely perfect for just rethinking routines. And you talked about these stabilizing habits, and Mm -hmm. that is certainly in a lot of ways, gotten me through this year. But I think it's also been helpful to kind of take a step back and rethink what I'm actually doing, what I, what I feel like is quote-unquote normal. And so in our family and in my own personal life this year, I think there've been a lot of standouts that we've kind of rethought and just reconsidered this year. And one of them was downsizing. It seems maybe like a strange thing to talk about as a favorite thing, but <laughs> for me... It's been a good year to kind of just let some things go. And it's going to sound strange and maybe just superficial, but we decided to go down to one car this year. Historically, in our family, we've always had two vehicles. And if one person needed to go one place and the other person needed to go the other place, we could easily do that because we had two cars. This year, we decided that I was just not going to have another car. And so we're going to share one. And instead, I bought an electric scooter. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So when the weather is nice, I am able to hop on that thing and take it to and from work. And it's been great just to get out of the house and enjoy nature a little bit and take it a little bit slow. And aside from obviously the financial burden that's kind of been lifted by this whole thing, we're also able to just spend more time as a family as we're carpooling together and we're avoiding unnecessary travel and we're just generally enjoying ourselves a little bit more. And I I think... This downsizing that we've done and rethinking how we use our finances has been kind of a good way to spend this year. Another way that we've rethought our lives really this year is decluttering and kind of similar to downsizing, but our family is typically considered by a lot of people as quote unquote minimalist with our stuff. We don't have a lot of extra things, we just kind of have what we have and we try to take a lot of joy, I think, in throwing things away or in donating things, passing things along. But while our material possessions are something we usually try to downsize and declutter, I think our calendar, and specifically my calendar, is something that I love to fill up with stuff. And historically, over my life, I've just filled up my time. Every waking moment is usually filled up with something. And I found that in 2020, this year, I have said no to a lot more things Than I have in previous years and that has been really positive for me just even in good activities good things that might have otherwise filled up my schedule saying no to those things and focusing myself more at home on my family and just the more important things that I need to find balance with it's something I'm still working on obviously but decluttering my calendar has been huge this year and the last thing is delegation if you know me and you do, (laughs) (laughs) I do. I have always been one of those, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself kind of people. And you want everything done right, of course. So you have to do everything yourself. I have to do everything myself. I've been that guy for too long. And so 2020 was the year to rethink how I delegate. And I have decided that there are plenty of things that I can just pass along to other people and I can teach them how to do and they can take care of it. And I can be hands off and I don't have to worry about it. And I don't have to spend time thinking about all the things that I've asked other people to help me with or to do for me. And I've been a lot less busy this year by just learning the subtle art of delegation. (laughs) So that's
0: huge. A couple of
1: things for me that have been absolutely massive in being able to give myself more time and more space and more attention on the things that are important Hopefully 2020 was that way for you, if you're listening to this, that maybe you've just rethought some of the things you always viewed as normal before.
0: Those are three really challenging things you just talked about. <laughs> we also went to one car this year and for our family of 6 and that's really works out really well for us. We've done it before and we were we were intentional about that and we've tried to simplify. But man, that is really hard to just we are constantly in this battle of decluttering and elimination. And it seems like, and here we are, you know, we're making the kids just get rid of almost all of their toys because they're about to get a couple more. They don't need... So much that they have. And so we're just (laughs) kind of, you know, we've got four kids and they just have so much. So we're trying to, you know, we're putting some things to give to people and into cool packages, but then other things just simplifying. But it just seems like whether it's the calendar, that's a weekly conversation. Are we doing too much? Are we committed too much? But there's also the other side, which is what more can we do? Right. And so there's this constant reshuffling of what is going to bring the most fruitfulness. And a big part of it is saying no, leaving time for our most important work of praying for people, of spending time together in real conversation and those kinds of things. But I really appreciate this thought of rethinking routines just being kind of up on the mountaintop, looking at your life. What can I chop? What can I prune? And then what can I water and grow and and being really mindful, watchful to use the Bible word Mm -hmm. of what does the Lord want me to do? Where does he want to take me next?
1: And I think one of the big fears in years past that might be surrounding these kinds of rethinking our routines is that People will judge us for making wholesale changes to our life. But every mm. single person on this planet right now is having <laughs> to rethink their life. So why not it's do all it together? New.
0: One of my friends likes to say, it's all invented anyways.
1: <laughs> so why not just invent the thing that makes the most sense for you? That's good. All yeah. right. So as we close out this year, what is the challenge? What's our final challenge of the year here as this episode drops on the very last day, by the way, of the year 2020. What's our last challenge?
0: Well, happy new year, everyone. And we invite you along with us to recap your yearly accomplishments, your struggles, what's working, what's not. (laughs) Think about that and recount some of these spiritual habits and processes with someone that's close to you. And we've encouraged that several times throughout this year to have some kind of a, a spiritual conversation and develop spiritually-based, fellowship-based friendships that real really have you opening up, listening to one another, and sharing with one another. And that's kind of what this podcast is built on. And I hope you have those relationships and are building and, and nourishing those relationships where you can Look back on a year and think about what is happening in your life from a spiritual
1: perspective. So, we are at the end of this year. Now that the end of the book Bible reading plan is done, we are looking forward to 2021 and we have a lot of plans for the next year. We're going to start a series in the next week with an entire focus throughout the entire year on developing discipleship, on becoming closer to the master becoming more mature, growing in our faith. And we've got a lot of stuff planned in the next couple of weeks to share with you. So stay tuned for that as we get into those upcoming episodes of 2021. And we really feel this need for connection and community and so
0: if there is a question if there is a conversation if there's some way that you would like to engage with us we want to invite you to do that and be part of this dialogue in some way and help us understand how we can be a a blessing and a support to you Absolutely.
1: absolutely All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode, which is going to be packed, by the way, at BibleGeeks.fm slash 91, or in your podcast player of choice. You can also follow along with us in our upcoming series on our website that will be revealed to you in an upcoming week. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.